Thanks for joining us tonight for this video. Please listen. Please subscribe and to this channel and um, and please push like. That'll be great. Tonight we're going to be taking live questions as well as live chat. So please put your comments down below there at you on the YouTube site, and um, we'll try and answer your questions tonight. Listen, tonight's an exciting night because tonight we're going to talk about whether a person can lose their salvation whether a believer can lose their salvation. Today, we're going to deal with examining ourselves. We're going to deal with different um, aspects or different uh, experiences that people have. And we're also going to deal with four important scriptures regarding salvation, as well as we're going to look at, we're going to have a word of prayer as well, and we're going to see how um, now we're to live knowing that we've made this commitment to Christ. Amen. So listen, if you have any questions, you can call immediately tonight and we'll get them in as I'm talking about salvation. Now, first of all, the first thing I want to say, let's just get the elephant out of the room. Are you saved? Remember, we're told over in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, that we're to examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith or whether we be reprobate. So it's important as a Christian to, or as a human to look at your life and say, man, am I really saved? You see, James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 22, that some people deceive themselves. And it's important for us to look at our lives and say, okay, have I deceived myself and, and made myself think that I'm saved when I'm really not? So this is why this is important. Because there are some people who are fake believers, some are make believers. Please call in if you got some questions on this. Fake believers and make believers. And, and some people have had emotional experiences. It's amazing um, how many people I know have had emotional experiences but aren't saved. Remember what we're told over in um, Mark chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus said that some people, when they receive the word of God, they immediately receive it with joy. But he went on to say in, in Matthew chapter uh, 13, verse 21, as soon as tribulations and, and difficult times come, they immediately fall away. You see, Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Remember, he just, he, he just spelled it out so clearly. Remember, a man came up to Jesus and he said, I'll follow you wherever you go, Lord. And remember what Jesus said? He said, um, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And what he was telling the guys, listen, if you follow me, you may not have nowhere to live. Remember, he went on to say, uh, it goes on to say how, that a man came up to Jesus and said, I'll follow you wherever you go. Remember that? But let me first go bury my father. And remember, Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Then he went on to say that another man came up to him and said, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me go say goodbye to my family first. And Jesus said, he that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. You see, lots of times people make emotional decisions when it comes to Jesus, but they aren't really saved. And so this is why we ask ourselves, did I just have a crying moment? Or did I really give my life to Christ? You see, remember what we're told about the rich and young ruler in Luke chapter 18. Remember in Luke chapter 18, verse 24, Jesus said the rich young ruler came to him and, and Jesus said, you need to sell all your possessions. And remember that the rich young ruler went away sad. He had an emotional experience, but he wasn't saved. Let me just say this. A lot of people say they believe, but they're not really saved. Call in, please. Call in on this if you're hearing me. They say that they're, they're, they believe, but they're not really saved. It says in James chapter 1, in James chapter 1 verse, um, actually in James chapter 2 verse 19, 
that even the devils believe and tremble. Even the demons have moments where they, you know, they believe in God and they tremble. They're even afraid, but they don't believe on God. You see, some people believe in, um, in Martin Luther King or Malcolm X or Donald Trump. But do they believe, uh, they, they may believe in him, but do they believe on him? And the thing is, a lot of people may believe in Jesus, but do you believe on him? And when I say that, the word believe is pistos, and it means to lay or lean all your, your weight on Jesus and all your dependence upon him. See, that's where faith is. Lord, you're my only hope. Some people, let me just say this, not only that, but some people have had, you know, a moments where, you know, they have had, where they made commitments to Jesus. Isn't that something? Someone can make a commitment to Jesus and they not be saved? Yeah. In John chapter 2, verse 24, it says that, that many people believed on him at the feast, but Jesus would not commit himself to them because he knew what was in the heart of man. In so many words, even though they had made this commitment to him, he didn't commit himself to them. It reminds me, I always share the story of Bruce. Bruce was a guy who, um, who lived in our community where I used to live at, and me and my brother were out witnessing one day, and there was Bruce. So we go up to Bruce, and we witness to Bruce, and Bruce immediately says, okay, yeah, I want this. And we pray with him. And it was like, man, Bruce got saved. We were so excited. We called Bruce up the next day. He said, man, don't call my house no more, man. I don't want nothing to do with this Jesus stuff. Cursed us out, man, everything else. We realized something. Bruce just was doing whatever, you know, we wanted him to do, but he really didn't want Jesus. He didn't count the cost. You see, Luke chapter 14, verse 28 says, we need to count the cost. Please call in as God puts it upon your heart or type in if you want to talk about salvation tonight. And then there's some people, there's some people, let me just say this, who have actually had um, um, made confessions. They confessed Christ, went down the aisle, confessed Christ. But they're not saved. Isn't that something? See, we're told in, in Titus chapter 1, verse 16, they profess that they know him, but by their very deeds, they deny him. Remember what we're told in Luke 6, 46. Jesus said, why well, call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I tell you to do. So there's a lot of that that goes on. There are even people in the church who have, and to some degree, I mean, not only made confessions and not only believe, so-called believed and, and, and committed their lives, so forth, but there are even some who, who are kind of like conversational pieces within the church. They have learned the church language. They learn how to to speak the church logo or lingo. They know how to say praise the Lord all the time, you know, and so forth. And so we got to ask ourselves, am I there? And I'm, am I there? Or do I really, am I like the mixed multitude in Hebrews 4 too, who when they receive the word of God, it says that it was not mixed with faith. We got a question coming in tonight, a caller coming in. Please tell us your name and, and please tell us where you're calling from. Um. Yes. Hi, this is Shaquita calling. Yes, hello. Thank you for calling, Sister Shaquita. Come on, tell us what your question is tonight. Uh, yes, I just wanted to know, um, is it possible for someone to say they're saved if they never pray, even though they've, you know, said the prayer, but they never, you know, spend time with the Lord, like read their word or pray every day, but, you know, they don't live a life in sin. Oh, interesting. You know, there are a lot of people who we would call good people. They would be considered a so-called good person, you know. 
mm-hmm. and and even though people do, there there was a woman on my job. Let me give you a good example, Squeeze. There's a woman on my job who was just the nicest, sweetest person who you would ever want to meet. But you know what's funny about it? Is that one day she was talking to somebody and she said, you know, Junior, <laughs> kind of stay away from him because he's radical when it comes to that Jesus stuff, okay? <laughs> and I realized something, okay? She was nice, but she wasn't saved, okay? And she was missing uh, missing salvation in her life. She was un- an unbeliever. So there are people who are nice and people who've made confessions and so forth, but we need to see fruit. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is, 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 is love, and that love produces joy and all the rest of these things. But also, remember what we're told in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. In Hebrews 13, 15, Man, God expects the fruit of our lips, the praises to God. He expects us to be praising him, worshiping him. These are signs that a person is really saved. In fact, if you look at the people who, who got saved in Scripture, you'll see that these people couldn't help but tell people about Jesus. In fact, whenever Jesus healed somebody, they wouldn't told somebody. Whenever Jesus touched their lives, they wouldn't told somebody. They couldn't help it. And so when you find someone who is a so-called good person who has made a confession at one point or another. They've got, we got to ask ourselves, is this person born again? Or is this person just making a confession? And so yeah. does that kind of answer your question? Because you need to begin to look at the fruit of their lives. And, as, and the fruit that we're talking about is fruit um, that brings God glory. And fruit, as we're told in John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the, the, the vine, you are the branches, you cannot... You know, do anything without me. And what he's talking about is you can't do anything when it comes to the kingdom of God without him. And so is this person looking and seeking first the kingdom of God in his righteousness? And if you don't see this in a person's life, you got to say to yourself, maybe they're not saved. Maybe they just yeah. have learned the, the Christian uh, logo, language, or they have learned to live a life that gives the impression that they're saved when they're really not. Okay. But pray for them. Maybe, maybe um, they'll come to know the Lord, you know, and um, and they'll begin to bring forth that fruit. And let me just say, thank this. you for answering my question. Sure. And as you as and, and please call again. And let me just as, as she closes off, let me just say this about this question that she asked. Sometimes fruit takes time. OK, fruit doesn't grow overnight, but there's a, there is some immediate signs of salvation. And we're going to look at those tonight as well. And so um, we got another question coming in, uh, uh, Josh. Um, at this time, um, who's calling in? Please tell us your name and where you're calling from. Yeah, this is Daryl calling from um, Montgomery College. Brother Daryl, uh, thank you for calling from Montgomery College. Um, what's your question tonight? Yeah, I'm calling. I'm uh, wondering: uh, is it possible that you can um, that you can um, um, be saved and kind of still have doubt? You know. Remember John the Baptist. Remember what John the Baptist said? He, he, he sent a letter to Jesus, and he said, are you the Messiah? Because John had a misunderstanding of what Jesus had come to accomplish. So in John's right. mind, he was thinking, well, you know, Jesus should be taken over by now and probably taken over the kingdom. Why is it that I'm sitting here in jail for speaking the truth? And so, yes, he had doubts, but we know that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet to ever live. So, yes, it is at times natural to get your helmet knocked off. See, this is why we're told to put on, in in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, the helmet of salvation. You ever watch a football game and and you see someone 
helmet off. It's the strangest looking thing. Most of us be like, right. man, what's up with them? Their helmet is off. In fact, there's a penalty for not having your helmet on during the course of a game. Listen, this is why we're told to put on our helmet. So, yes, there will be times when you will feel as though um, you, you're not saved, especially when you're not living right. And see, right. when we're not living right, that produces doubt regarding whether we're saved or not. And so just understand that's what happens. So when you're living right and you're walking close to God, you don't feel like that. But it's when we when we find ourselves, Hebrews chapter two, verse one, slowly drifting away and we find ourselves living in sin. As Hebrews chapter six says, we find ourselves in a situation where we begin to doubt whether so, we're saved. So someone, has, someone has another question. Do, do, do any of that can, can, can affect your salvation with the Lord? You know, your doubting and your... Um... You know, you're discouraging. Could that do anything to affect your salvation? One of the things that I want everyone to listen to tonight, the Lord wants you to know that you're saved. 1 John 5, 13 says, John says, these things I've written unto you that you may know you have eternal life. God doesn't want you to be in a situation where you're afraid whether he's going to save you or not. He wants you to know that you're saved. In fact, we're told over in John 5, 24, that you've passed from death to life. You already have salvation. If you've given yeah. your life to Christ. Okay. Yeah. So lots of times, you know, we let our emotions, our feelings, how we feel. I don't feel close to God or I may not feel like I'm saved today. Well, you right. can't. That, you are allowing that feeling that you have to go against the word of God. And we're told in Romans 3, let God be true and every man a liar. So even your right. emotions and feelings sometimes get in the way of what God's word says. And God tells us that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise in 1 Corinthians 1.22 until the day of redemption. God has made it clear to us that he has um, given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment. He's told us in Titus chapter 1 verse 2 that he's promised eternal life in which he cannot lie. So understand these things, that if you're saved, you're saved. It's not a situation where you need to doubt your salvation unless, unless you have not really committed your life to Christ. And for some people like that, and if you're not living right, if you're living in sin, and let me just say this, we know we're going to look at some signs today whether a person is really saved. But unless, um, one of the things that's important is that people need to be willing to come to God and confess their sins and say, Lord, I've sinned against thee. These are signs that you're really saved. The thought right. that you might not be saved is a sign in itself that you probably are saved. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So, All right, uh, thanks, 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 thanks for answering my question. That's a good question, man. Thank you for that. Thank you, my brother, and may the Lord bless you. Okay. Um, okay. We have a, another caller here, a question coming through. Um, please call her. Um, identify where you're calling from and your name as well. Oh, this is Daryl Penn from um, Camp Springs, Maryland. Brother Daryl, how you doing, man? Uh, I appreciate you calling in tonight. What's your question? Uh, I'm calling because um, I read a passage, and I think it might be in Titus, where, it said, where Paul says, he says, to the pure, all things are pure. But he says, to the, the unbelieving and defiled, nothing is pure because their minds and their conscience defiled. are defiled. Yes. Yes. I was wondering if sometimes, like, like you, get, you struggle with, like, evil thoughts and things like that, is that a sign that you're not saved either? Like, even even if you have sometimes thoughts about God, that's probably not good. 
Well, well, understand this. You're you're fighting a good fight of faith. We're told in in um, in First Corinthians. I'm sorry, in First Timothy six twelve, um, and that's a good thing. What you just said was important. You said that you wrestle with this. See, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You are wrestling, which means that you're in the fight as a Christian. See, Paul said in Romans chapter seven verse fifteen, "That which I hate, that I do." If you are uh, if you are someone who is hating what you're doing because you realize Psalm fifty one verse four what that that I'm sinning against God and against Him and against Him only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. If you feel within your heart and your spirit that you are disappointing your Father, that's a sign that you're a child of the King. And so yep. now, now some people let me just say this. Some people are beyond the, the, the struggle and the wrestle. Some people have given in. And, and those are the people you've got they, that probably in many cases should ask themselves whether they're saved or not. But as long as there's a battle, that's a sign that the Spirit is convicting you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit is convicting you, trying to draw you back to the Father, as we're told in James. Yeah. Yeah, because... Um... But sometimes, you know, you'd you be sitting like, like when you're idle and then, you know, you get these crazy thoughts and stuff that come to your mind. And, and But, you know, you don't say it because every time I get them thoughts, I drop to my knees and me and I say, Lord, forgive me for these thoughts, you know. And I want you to but, understand. Uh, I want to and I want to point out to everyone listening. Thank you for that call, Daryl. You're right, man, because I've been there before, too. At times I felt like especially when I first got saved, I felt like I might not be saved. I felt like, man, you know, am I really saved? Am I, do I really, um, am I really sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise? I want us all to understand this, okay? This is important, all right? We're told in Scripture that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, old things pass away, all things become new. And what he's saying is, and if you remember the verse right before that, see, everyone loves that verse, but what about 2 Corinthians 5, 16, where it says, it, it clearly says, that we at one time knew Christ after the flesh, but now know we no man after the flesh. We don't even know Jesus after the flesh. Meaning in so many words, then he goes on to say, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And what he's saying is that once you get saved, you're thinking about who Jesus is changes. This doesn't mean that everything you do changes immediately, but you're thinking you begin to allow him to be the Lord of your life. You begin to say, okay, God, you can be in charge of my life. But there's some areas, God, that I'm fighting and trying to hold on to. But, Lord, guess what? I realize you're my king. You're my Lord. You're my only hope. Amen? Yeah, baby. So, and, oh, and one more thing. Yes. Do you think it's a sin, like, to be afraid of, like, the COVID thing? Because I got a confession to make. Because um, yesterday I had, you know, I kind of I kind of slipped up a little bit. Because um, I was afraid because the girl came up to me. She didn't have a mask on and. I mean, I didn't disrespect her, but I kind of got real angry. And because I was angry, you know, I kind of cursed. But I, I said, oh, Lord, forgive me for cursing, you know. But it was my anger that, that brought those words out. Yes. And, and the Father knows, man, you know, you're in this flesh. You have this flesh. And it doesn't mean you have to continually live in sin, okay? God can give you the, the power, as we know from James chapter 3, to control your tongue, okay? Um, so you have to rely on the Lord. But... Keep in mind, as far as COVID goes, you know, it's important that we use wisdom. You know, um, it doesn't mean that that um, that you're wrong because you don't want to be around someone who doesn't have on a mask. You know, it's nothing wrong with using wisdom. You know, it's interesting. We use wisdom every day. I mean, 
Uh, we live in a world where, where we trust God and believe in him by faith. But guess what we do? We lock our doors at night, don't we? Not only do we lock our doors at night, but guess what? When we're driving down the street, we lock our car doors. I notice when we go into stores, we lock our car doors, even though we believe in God, even though we believe in the Lord, we do the necessary things um, that, that can tell wisdom. And God wants us to use wisdom in what we do. So where's the pan there's a pandemic out here right now. And because of this particular pandemic called the, the COVID-19, God says, use wisdom and I'll watch over you and protect you. And um, and that's how God would have us to be as his children. And some of us are a little more sensitive to this than others. And as far as your sin goes, as far as cursing goes, you confessed it. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He knew you would do that before the foundations of the world. Jesus died for that. So just keep that in mind, brother. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. All right. God bless you. And thanks Thank for calling you. in, Daryl. Yeah, but I know, I, like, after immediately I did it, I repented already. Amen, amen. God bless you, man, and keep serving the Lord. And call us back next week, okay? God okay, bless. Pastor. We have another caller calling in. Wow, we got another caller calling in. Please uh, tell us your name and where you're calling from. Hi. Oh, hi. Is it... You're on live. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, this is... Uh... Wendy, and I'm calling from Akakik, Maryland. Yes. What's your question tonight, Sister Wendy? Thank you for calling. Okay, so my question is, okay, so you know how um, people say God is in control, right? Yes. Okay, so that gives us kind of like this idea that God is like, you know, sitting in heaven on the throne, and he's moving all of us around like chess pieces, right? Yeah. And so... He kind of decides, okay, if I say, God, I love you, then he predestined me, right, to be saved and to love him. But what if another says, well, I really don't want anything to do with God? And so does that mean that he uh, precondemned them, that they're going to hell? Or are well, we not really like chess pieces? We have a free will. And so... Um, it kind of makes it confusing, I think, when people say that God is in control. Certainly he is in charge, he is Lord, but if he's in control, then does that mean that he dictates, okay, well, you're saved and you're, you're going to get saved and you're not going to get saved? And if in fact that is the case, then how is it that we, that the, that the scripture tells us that um, it's not his will that any would perish, but all will come into the saving knowledge of Jesus. It seems a little bit conflicting, and I know God's word is true, so I, I'm not doubting that, but this thing about God is in control, how does that balance with our free will to choose salvation or not choose it? Well, you know, great question. Um, and uh, I will say that this is one of the arguments that have gone on within the church um, for centuries, and um, and it's regarding our free will. Me and my wife, Lisa, have have <laughs> have conversations about this all the time, you know. And um, there there are different camps on this viewpoint. They're, they're Calvinists, and, and then there's Arminian um, belief systems. But let me say this: you know, the Lord has given us a free will. All right, God is ultimately in control of everything. He would not be God if He was not. We would be God. He is ultimately in control of everything. Uh, he is sovereign, meaning that 
he is ultimately he ultimately gives the approval for everything that goes on on this earth because he is God. But he does honor our free will as human beings, just like with the angels. He honored theirs. Now, he chose us in him. It says in Ephesians chapter one, verse four, before the foundations of the world, he picked us. OK, now um, he picked us. Now, why he did that? That's where the argument comes in at. Some people believe that he picked us based upon what he knew we would do. He looked down the corridor of time and he said, well, you know what? I see that um, these people will come to know me. So I picked them. But we're told that salvation is is a gift from God. The other camp says, no, faith is a gift. Ephesians chapter two, verse five and eight. Grace is a gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 and 8. Everything is a gift from God. In fact, we're told over in Acts chapter 11, verse 18, that even repentance is a gift from God. So uh, God has chosen us and he's given us a free will. And how God works within our free will has is, is been somewhat of a, of a mystery. Um, but he does. He's still sovereign, but he's sovereign with, with allowing us to have our own free will. And he works within that. Um, but he generally does not violate our free will but if he was never completely in charge he would not be god uh, even when adam and eve sinned who were uh, in, in charge of the garden god was in charge of them and determined what the situation would be for their own good and this is why we're told he works everything together um, for our good because he's ultimately in control and as far as people go who who don't know the lord or who people who say i don't want the lord it is quite possible. I mean, I must say from from um, from Romans chapter nine. Remember, the Lord said, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. And it says that he did that before either one of them did good or evil. In fact, we're told in Romans chapter 11 that God, you know, deals with or he will. He is, is patient with the vessels of wrath fit for destruction. So. Some people, Jesus said about Judas, it would have been better he was never born. So when you begin to look at these things, there are people that, who are Christians that God picked before the foundations of the world. He, if you're a Christian, he picked you. And why he did it, I believe he did it in love. Because it says that in Ephesians 1, um, 4 and 5. In love he chose us with a purpose. And so he picked us. Why he didn't pick them? Because it's clear he did not pick them because Maybe it's because he knew they wouldn't pick him or maybe it was because he just decided to show his love for us. We're told it's funny. We're told in John 17, Jesus said, I don't pray for the world. I pray for my believers. And so, you know, we have to. Um, Jesus said in John 6, 44, no man comes to the, 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 um, the son unless the father draw him. So um, when you begin to look at all these verses, uh, it does kind of give the impression that God is the one who picked us. And how he did it, I, I'm, I just don't completely know, but I just thank him that he did. Remember we're told in the book of Acts, I think it's in Acts 2 or Acts 3, when Peter said to the, the, the Sanhedrin there, he said, you with wicked hands have crucified the Lord of glory. But he went on to say, but God foreordained that this would happen. So there's a combination. They did it, but God also foreordained that it would happen. So... Uh, it's the same way with salvation. People make choices and decisions, but God foreknew they would make these decisions. Did he pick them based on that? That's a hard mm -hmm. one. So, um, <laughs> okay. I, hopefully I answered it as best you I did could. did answer it. I have another question. Is that okay? Yes. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Okay. So it's kind of related, I think, but I just kind of 
was wondering like what your thoughts were about this. So um, in um, this 22nd chapter of Matthew, um, Jesus was, when he was sharing that parable about the wedding feast, and he yes. said, many are called, but few are chosen. Like, how does that relate to salvation and kind of how does it connect with what you were just talking about? I think that, you know, one of the things that Jesus pointed out, he said that all that the Father has given me, I have lost none of them except for Judas. And so those that came to Jesus were called to him in John 6, 44, by the Father. And so, yes, many are called, but, but few are chosen, meaning that he made Jesus on a regular basis um, yelled out, um, if, if any man thirsts in John 7, let him come on to me. Remember, he said, you know, in, John, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, come on to me, all you who labor and heavy laden. But guess what? Everyone didn't come. And it appears those that did come were chosen before the foundations of the world. And so I think that that's a, a, probably a, a good uh, analogy of, of just how God picked certain people. And, um, you know, I, he picked us if we're Christians. And I just thank him that he picked us. How he did, I don't know. But there are, as, as you just pointed out, that many are called, but few are chosen. Meaning that every, everyone, pretty much, we know from Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And, and the uh, firmament uh, talks about his handiwork. Day after day, they cry out to people. God's law, we know from Romans chapter 2, is written in people's hearts and so forth. Um, in Romans chapter 1 as well, nature itself bears witness to, 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 to the fact that there is a God. Um, all this goes on. So a person is given a chance, you know, uh, to accept the Lord um, or given a chance at least to to know that there's a God. And from that, God moves forward as far as we know from Mark chapter four, verse uh, 24 through 26, where Jesus said to him who was given um, more will be given to. But to him who has has less, even that which he has will be taken away. So if you are willing, you have an ear to hear or you're willing to see what God is doing, God will give you more. He will send more people and he will send more information about who Jesus is and, and people will come to know the Lord. But this gets back to um, the whole aspect of what we the, the times that we live in today. Two hundred years ago, there were no altar calls. Over maybe 250 years ago, there were no altar calls. Okay, altar calls are kind of a new experiment, a new thing. Um, so, in which uh, Finney uh, did in the 1800s. Before that, there weren't any. People didn't go down the Romans Road, which is okay, and altar calls are okay. But what we see now is is really a Billy Sunday and a Billy Graham thing, where they have this. But people w would hear the gospel wherever they were, and they would think about it, and they would say, "Man, this is what I need in my life." And God would work in their heart. But nowadays, people are somewhat coerced into to, to these things. And then they're talked into it. And this is why they can be talked right out of it. And this is why 70-some percent of Americans think they're Christians when they're really not. And so anyway, hopefully that answers some of it, Sister Wendy. Thank you for your call. Um, and let me just you're say welcome. this. Um, regarding um, salvation. Um, and, and I want to give, you know, four important scriptures. You know, we're told, um, and I want you to, to really think on these, um, as, I, as I pointed out a little earlier, um, John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said that a man or woman must be born again in order to be saved, okay? Uh, that means born again. And, you know, born again means born again. And, you know, we were born once out of our mother's womb. This born again refers to a supernatural process. 
This is why I don't think a person can just wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to get saved. No. If you do that, that's because God's been drawing you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, you did not choose Jesus. Jesus chose you. Jesus said, you didn't pick me. I picked you. And so understand this, okay? God is working to get you to that point. Now, we're told that this has to happen in order to be saved. And part of this is really understanding Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Those that come to God must believe that he is. you got to get to a point where you say, I believe that he is. And a reward of those who diligently seek him. I believe that he's alive. I believe if I seek him, he will be found. And not only that, to be saved, remember, we, we talked about Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And notice what he said, if you believe in your heart the Lord Jesus. And, and notice what it says here, the Lord, meaning that you are willing to make him the Lord of your life. Because it goes on to say, for with the heart a man believes on the righteousness, and, and with the mouth confession is made on the salvation. Notice he says in the second part, in verse 10, or the, or verse 10 he mentions the heart first, then the mouth, okay? And so you got to ask yourself, have I been born again? And let me just say this too about it. Throughout scripture, the term repentance is used. John the Baptist comes along and he says, repent. Jesus comes along and he says, repent. The apostles in Acts 2.38 come along and say, repent. Paul comes along and he, he preaches repentance. And so keep in mind, God wants us to repent. Now, what does that mean? The word repent means to take a 180-degree turn, where you turn from, from what you were doing and you turn to Jesus and you lean on him and say, Lord, now you're the Lord of my life. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose again. I believe I need you, Lord. I can't make it without you. And at that moment, the Lord will save you. And so I want to, you know, pray before we go on a little more because we may have a few more calls. Um, I want to pray for anyone out there who is unsaved, who doesn't know Christ. I want to pray that you know the Lord tonight. You come to know him. And you can repeat after me. But if you repeat after me, don't talk to me. Talk to the Lord. Say, Jesus, I know that you're alive. I know you died for me. I ask of you, I beg of you that you give me eternal life. I believe you died for my sins. I'm a wicked person. I can't make it without you. I turn from the way I'm living. And I turn to you and I seek your will for my life and I make you the king and Lord of my life. Lord, I may not get there and everything that I need to do, but my thinking about who you are has changed. Lord, please give me eternal life in Jesus name. Amen. Got a question tonight, too. Um, no questions right now. Let me just, um, I'm just going to hit a few things in, in case we get some more questions in or get some more calls. Um, you know, we're told in 1 Peter chapter 2, and you can, you can call in if you like, if you have any more questions. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you can grow. And so this is important. You know what I mean? Because he goes on to say, if indeed you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You see, if you really tasted the Lord and seen that he's good, you're going to desire the things of the Lord. You're going to desire the word like a, like a newborn baby. One of the questions I've had people ask me, well, I know somebody, they say they've been saved for 20 years. They're like the prodigal. I remember someone said to me, how long you think the prodigal was out there? I think it was out there 30 years. No, he wasn't. 
But some people think like that. He was out there till his money ran out. Most people's money don't run out in 30 years, okay? And so, you know, what's interesting about it is that people say, well, how long can you be saved and not produce fruit? Jesus said something important in Luke chapter 13, verse 7. And remember what fruit is. Praising God. Fruit is, is a life where your life is changed now, where you love the Lord and you love one another. Not only that, but fruit is telling people about Jesus. All these things are fruit. And so Jesus said in Luke 13, verse 7, he said, after three years, if the tree's not producing fruit, cut it down. The church in Corinth, after like three years, Paul was like, man, you got to bring forth some fruit. And he said to them something real important. He says, man, I'm beginning to wonder if you guys are really saved. And so these are things for us to think about. Are y'all with me on this? As we begin to close off tonight. And let me just say this too. You know, some people say, well, you got to endure to the end. The endure to the end passages come from Matthew 24, 13, and, and maybe one in Revelation 2. Those passages refer to enduring to the end of the tribulation period. If you're saved, you're going to continue in your faith. That's another sign that you're really saved. And in fact, let me give you five quick signs and we'll close off tonight that a person's really saved. First of all, you love the Lord. See, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, he said, many will call on, many on that day will say unto me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy? Use the double term, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do mighty works? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. These were people in the church. And so, you need to develop a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Lord. Get on your knees. It's going to be awkward at first. But begin to talk to him one-on-one. -on -one. Not only that, do you hate your sin? Roman, as as Daryl called in earlier, Romans 7, 15. Do you hate the evil that you do? And you feel like, Lord, I am sinning against you, Lord. That's a sign that you're saved. Not only that, but if you continue, Colossians 1, 23. Colossians 1, 23 and Romans 11. And Romans 11, 22 tells us if you continue in the faith, if you really save, you're going to continue. I met people, and then, you know, and they say, oh, yeah, I'm saved. Then five years later, they're Muslims. They weren't really saved in the first place. Not only that, you're going to love other Christians. I know sometimes you don't want to be around people. I know sometimes you don't like Christians, but we're told in 1 John 3, 14, we know we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. You're going to have to spend eternity with me. So get used to it now. Not only that, but not only should we bear fruit, but if you're really saved, if you're really saved, then even when you get tough statements, even when things are hard, you're going to cling to Jesus. We're told in John 6, 66, remember Jesus said to the other disciples, he said, are you going to leave too? Because remember the disciples left once Jesus gave them a tough statement. Half of them, or the 70 of them that he had chosen were gone because they didn't like what he said. And so, Listen, when times get difficult, when, when things are said that you don't like, even from Scripture, do you hang in there? And we're told, and sometimes, you know, you, you, you say to yourself, man, you know, this person lost their salvation. They didn't lose it. We're told in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, the truth. And that's that they were of us, they were among us, but they were really not of us, or they would continue with us. And that's a sign that a person is really not saved if they don't continue continue as a Christian and lots of times time will only tell and so um, and not only that the fruit of your lips you're going to tell people about Jesus let the redeemed of the Lord say so been delivered from the hands of the enemy 
Jeremiah said, I can't help but talk. I said, I'm not going to say nothing. He says, I can't help but tell people about Jesus. If you're really saved, this is a natural reaction to being saved as a believer. Anyway, I think we've covered everything tonight. And I appreciate you calling in. This has been a great topic. Next week, uh, we're going to even have a more hotter topic. So please um, uh, tune in and join us. And um, may the Lord bless you. Make sure you um, make sure you you like this video, you subscribe, and um, and may the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face to shine upon you, and just have a great week in Jesus. And until we meet again next Friday, God bless.